It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the best seller's body care set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we've got a treat for you today. We are... Okay, let, I'm trying to think of how best to introduce this, because this is a weird scene we're doing. We're going to be doing another bit of, uh, of, of live reading for y'all, but with a little bit of a different intent. We're not going to be trying to, like, dig into a scene and, like, direct each other in the way that we've done before. We're just going to give you guys a great example of some wild fucking uh, voice acting energy. Um, and then I want to turn it on his head and talk about why this is actually like a really kind of brilliant play on the part of this game developer in a way that I didn't appreciate until recently. If you are into the like PC games of the, the 90s to early 2000s, or if you've listened to one of the approximately 30 episodes of this show that I've brought it up on, then you know about the game Thief the Dark Project. Thief the Dark Project is a first-person stealth game. It was... I don't want to say it was the first stealth game, but it was one of the first stealth games. It's, it's one of the pioneers, definitely. Yeah. Especially for, like, 3D and first-person style games that utilize stealth. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of what came to be kind of commonplace gameplay language for that kind of game was, was introduced or, or advanced notably in Thief. And in it, you take on the role of Garrett, this thief who sneaks around stealing from rich people, selling to his fence, living uh, a life of wry sarcasm and looking down on, on the people that are, are not on his level. Uh, he's, I don't know if I would go so far as to call him an anti-hero, but he's definitely got that like... He's got a roguish charm to him. Yeah, roguish, kind of like above it all, Sasuke Uchiha in Naruto kind of vibe. Um, yeah, I could see that. And the game opens like there's there's some some narration from Garrett's point of view in an opening cutscene that kind of lays out like what you're doing on this first job where you have to steal from this lord uh who has something over like one of your fences and then it drops you into the city streets outside of this manor that you need to sneak into. And as you walk, you'll pass the front door, and there are a trio of guards outside. Uh, and two of them are having just the wildest conversation that I've ever heard begin a video game. <laughs> uh, and with that, I think we're Dylan and I are going to read through this short script, 
And we're going to try to capture at least a little bit of the energy that this scene has. It's not going to be us, like, doing our perfect impressions of this, but, like, come along for the ride, shall we? Hey, I'm going to the bear pits tomorrow. You want to come with? Couldn't pay me enough. What? You soft belly. The bears have got these new muzzles with underslung cheek spikes. <laughs> the last time I was there, <laughs> there was a real eye gouging. <laughs> nah, nah, it makes me sick when I was a kid. <laughs> Surprise you're even in this job. Oh, the blood, it just turns my poor tummy. Shut up, you taffer. You want blood? You should have been there years ago. The bears then, they were something to see. Those bears, they didn't need no cheek spikes and razor collars and paw hooks and all that knavery you straps to them now. No, no paw hooks? What did they do? Just bump into each other? Ha! Nah, the bears back then, they had claws as long as your finger and wicked teeth. Bears? You're taffing me. They look pretty mangy harmless, long as they're not wearing harness. That's why I can't stand the pits now. You don't know what you've missed. They just don't make bears like they used to. End scene. Um, <laughs> I, I fucking love everything about this scene. Oh, it's uh, so goofy. Chris, like you'll the, have to forgive me. I remember the first guard's voice a lot more than the second guard's voice. That's fair. Like, again, and I was not doing, like, a perfect rendition of that voice. But, again, I think you captured the second guard's energy pretty uh -huh. spot on. And that's what I was I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, this, this, this scene just kind of plays out. And you're welcome to, like, sit there and listen to the whole thing. Or you can just walk right by and, and get to work. But I honestly think this scene is really, really clever as far as, like, little bits of sneaky... I don't even want to call it exposition as much as its world-building world goes. For one thing, it introduces just this world in which, one, bear pits where you just go to watch bear fights happen are a thing, which in and of itself is like, okay, this is kind of a shithole. <laughs> We have bear handlers, and yeah. they fight. <laughs> uh, but then also in this world, apparently bears no longer have teeth or claws. <laughs> so they're just like big, fluffy brown lumps that just people kinda... strap knives to. <laughs> I, I, I guess... Um... Bears have been domesticated in this universe. I guess. Like, and again, this is not important. I don't even recall. And you'll have to forgive me. It's been a very long time since I played Thief all the way through. Uh, and most recent times I've played it. I've played, like, the first couple levels and been like, ah, yes, I remember this fondly. And then, like, move on to another game. Right. But I don't um, think if... this is a, an example of Chekhov's bear. I don't think you end <laughs> up, like, in the bear pits. I highly doubt it. I feel like, um, that'd be a lot to model. <laughs> It would be a lot to model, uh, considering they had, like, two models for humans in this game. Right. And most of them had eight polygons to work with. Uh, yeah, they don't need no cheek spikes, razor collars, and paw hooks, and all the knavery you straps to them now. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, 
But the other thing this scene does that I really love is this scene, the fact that these are the two, first two people that you walking around as Garrett run into, I think does a lot to characterize Garrett. Okay. Like at this point, all you all you know of Garrett is what you've heard in the opening cutscene where he's he's got kind of like this dry monotone, kind of kind of raspy in the back of the throat. It's kind a very of voice. for for console gamers who are a little bit closer to our age, like it's a very much a uh, kind of Sly Cooper type of Yeah. It's kind of Sly Cooper. Uh it's it's he's, very He's it, got kind of a hushed voice and he's really kind of talking to you casually. Yeah, it's this casual, laid back like confident without being cocky kind of tone. Uh, and all you've heard is him just very matter of factly laying out like, here's what I've got to do. It's happening tonight. Let's get to it. And then from there, the first other person you hear talk is this goon going, going to the bear pits tomorrow. And I just think that little bit of juxtaposition is so clever in making it like, oh, of course, Garrett. These are morons. Like, yeah, Garrett is surrounded by people like this. This is why Garrett has this sense of like calm cockiness. He's breaking into places that are guarded by these kinds of goons. Of course, he's on top of the world. Of course, he doesn't sound like he he cares or is worried about anything. I also think that the over the top nature of the um, conversation and like just the performance itself. Um, also does an, another thing where it's like very attention grabbing. Yeah. So because it's completely optional and you can just miss it, if it was not so attention grabbing. <laughs> if it, if it uh, didn't open with the best line read in the history of video games, don't at right. me. <laughs> <laughs> and we should, we should link to the, the cutscene. Like, a, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll add that to the Twitter thread when I, uh, when I tweet out. Right. About this I, I figured this much, but, um, but yeah, it's. I think that's clever, too, because it it primes you for you will be able to overhear people talking in this game. Yes. And and in this case, they're talking about, you know, frivolous nonsense of bear pits and bears are equipped with cheek spikes. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to get past that. It's so funny. It's fun. Um, it, Like it, it kind of, as Chris was saying, it characterizes the scene. But like, I think. In addition to that, it kind of gives you... I'm, I'm trying to, like, put a pin on what I'm trying to say, but it's like... In in being exposed to these details, I, I feel like I'm just reiterating what you're saying, but it's just a nice combination of kind of getting into character as... His name is Garrett? I just yes. want to double-check. Okay. Yeah. Not Geralt. That's a different video game. Not boy. Geralt, no. Um, You're getting into character as Garrett, and then, like, also... Yeah, no, nah, it's just it's just amusing. It's, uh, it's a, also uh, the the genre that Thief belongs to. I I believe is referred to as um, not life sim, although that might be the what it's called. Where it's like these first person adventure games that are less about the shooty shooty bang bang and more about like playing with the enemy AI and stuff like that. Yeah, very much um, so. So just just overhearing a conversation, no matter how over the top or um, extravagantly acted it is, just being able to sit in on that type of thing, um, very immersive. Yeah, and that's something that the Thief games are really good at in general. They're, they are, like, 
this is not the proper use of this term but for lack of a better one they are ver- games that are very invested in their own sort of diegesis mm-hmm. i will let me break that down because that's a big word that if you're not like a if you haven't done film studies you might not be familiar with if something is diegetic that just means that it exists within the world of a film or a game or a piece of media so like music is the most common example non-diegetic music is like the the film score diegetic music is like the song playing in the nightclub that happens that the scene happens to be taking place in mm-hmm. um uh and and thief is very much a game that likes for everything in it to be diegetic like you have a map for each level of the game but the map is legitimately like a map drawn on a piece of parchment that you can look at that will like it'll show you which of the big like chunks of the map you're in but you don't have a little icon being like you're right here in this corner of the house you know um right there's no like sensor to show you if you're being quiet or not you have to listen to the sound your footprints are making uh your your footfalls are making on whatever you're walking on you do have a little like gem that indicates how visible you are but it's implied to just be like a thing you have on your person that you can check to see how bright it is where you're standing and i think that what a scene like this does kind of hammers home that like well we don't have the like it it's I realize something as I'm talking. It's kind of a way of hand waving the fact that enemy AI was still kind of hard to do in 3D games at this point. <laughs> because you so have all these guards kinda... that, like, you know, you put out a lit torch with one of your water arrows, and a guard will look around for a little bit before going, Good damn rats, and walking back to his <laughs> patrol route. <laughs> and so having this conversation between these two absolute dunderheads. Bulk kind of skull. kind of helps to reinforce that like eh, these guys aren't that bright and that's okay in the fiction we're creating i think it also um this is kind of roundabout but I, I think something very fun about this exchange is um the fact that these two uh guard characters are so about the violence kind of makes you want to push that like personality away from yourself like no thief is a game about stealth and espionage we're not yeah, brutes yeah. like these people who love to go to the bear pits with all their knaveries yeah and and that's the fun thing about playing a game like thief like you have a sword you can get into fights with the guards they probably won't go well because that's not the kind of game this is <laughs> and so i think you're totally right like it's it's encouraging you like no 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 these people like violence you maybe bonk them on the head if they're in your way, but otherwise just, you know, get the stuff, get out. Uh, you know what other scene this honestly reminds me of, Dylan? Mm-hmm. The Agent Black and Agent White scene at the beginning of yeah, Iconoclasts, yeah. which we've talked about on the show before, uh, and I, it's a longer scene and I don't have a script handy because I, I didn't know this was where my brain was going to go. I'll pull um, it up. <laughs> but, if I can find uh, it. Yeah, Iconoclast is a game that we've talked about many times because we both love it and everybody needs to play it because it is criminally uh, unknown. Um, but in it, there's an early scene where like you you have a little kind of tutorializing adventure where you learn the basics of moving around the world, you fight a quick boss fight uh, as Robin, the main character, and then you get back to your home and you find Agent Black and Agent White there. And 
Agent Black monologues at you about, like, the nature of power and, and all the ways you're doing wrong by, you know, you're, we, know we know you're fixing things. We know the, the mechanic's daughter has picked up her father's wrench. And while Agent White interrupts her by, like, jumping forward and calling you a harlot. Yeah. Uh, because um, she's twisting nuts. That's that's the line. Yeah. Oh my god. I Looks forgot. like someone around here is twisting a few nuts. Harlot. <laughs> god. It's such. It's it's such a well written scene, and it's so clever. But I think it does a lot of the same things as far as like filling in kind of the vibe of the world right. that this scene at the beginning of Thief does in a different way. Yeah. But uh, iconoclasts like when you. When you're just getting started, like, all you really know is, like, oh, it's a colorful, fun platformer, um, like, with, you know, non-linear, not-quite-Metroidvania uh, mechanics, and you you beat a boss, and you go back to your house, and you're like, oh, here's a story. We got a story now. Yeah, yeah. And it's not much of a story at first. It's just sort of, like, they serve to introduce, like, the idea of there being sort of a narrative threat. Right. It's it's a really clever way, I think, to, like, even if it involves stuff that isn't super story-driven, or even if it's, like in the case of Iconoclast, like, it's hard to get any anything concrete as a player out of their conversation the first time you're playing it, because it's not, like, an exposition dump. They're not saying that much that is, like, we're filling you, the player, in on the details of the world that you wouldn't be familiar with. It's all fairly, like, language that would make sense to a denizen of this world, so it's not right. there to fill in a first-time player. But then when you know the story and you go back to it, there's a lot more you can get out of it. Yeah. Um, um, there is one line, I'm looking at the script right now, uh, where Black reads Robin's, um, her profile... And she just, after finishing the profile, she's like, well, that's your character backstory out of the way. And, like, that's probably the most they ever get at, like, winking and nudging to the player. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, it's a fun little aside, because, like, Black is so fucking over this shit that, like, even at most she'll be like, yeah, I know I'm a fucking villain in the game. But anyway, <laughs> here's the story. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very good. Uh, I just think, I think it's fun... The opening, like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of a game are so important for yeah. selling whatever it is that makes your game special to the player, whether it's, excuse me, and like, you know, what that is is going to vary so much depending on what kind of game it is. But I think that scenes like this, if it's appropriate for what you're trying to do, Introducing just like either an incidental scene or a scene that doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense for, to a first time player to try to like create that sense of mystery or uh, curiosity about like what it is about this world that's different, I think is really smart. And bonus points if you get some guy to slur out about the bear pits, I guess. <laughs> um, also, yeah, just through virtue of the guards interrupting their conversation to shoo you away and you don't get to hear the rest of the conversation that's like a little nice subliminal like hey next time don't let them see you yeah because because this conversation is happening like out on the streets in front of the manor you're trying to rob so right. they can see you here and they will react to your presence in a non-violent way yeah they'll turn you away yeah which like you just said that is coaching you on what to do next time <laughs> and what not to do next time. 
this is also just for me, but I, I, out of curiosity, I was looking at the the credits for um, Thief: The Dark Project on IMDb, uh, and through that, I discovered that the guy who voiced Garrett uh, in all of these games hasn't done a ton of voice work. He's been in a you know a fair amount of stuff. He's been in like twenty things over the course of the last twenty some years. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of those roles, he played Garrett through all of the original trio of Thief games. And then he also played Corvo Atano in Dishonored 2 Yo. when he got a voice in it, which which just tickles me because that game was created in no small part by a lot of the people who worked on the Thief games back in the day. It makes me um, think about how, um, I don't know if this is spoilers for Dusk, but uh, there's a first person shooter game called Dusk and the final boss is voiced by the voice of Caleb, the main character of Blood. Oh, yo. Super I love cool. It. I love it when games do that. Yeah, it, and it's fun when, especially because, like, Corvo Atano, I don't know, it's, it's fun to see this team made up of so many of the people from Eidos who were working on, was it Eidos? Uh, I think it was I think a it subsidiary of Eidos that made Thief. I might be thinking I, of Deus Ex, I might be getting my I developers cross. I want to say they're made by the same people, or maybe they're just, ne like, modern day owned by the, I'll look that up. It was Looking Glass. Looking Glass, oh, uh, thank you. but I think Looking Glass was a subsidiary of Eidos. Uh, developed by Looking Glass, published by Eidos. Okay, there it is. But yeah, a lot of the people who worked for Looking Glass went on to be uh, foundational members of the, the studio that made the Dishonored games, and so it's fun that when they were like, oh, we actually need to give our silent protagonist, like, gruff, sneaky, uh, clever boy from the first game a voice for the sequel, who should we get? I know! <laughs> I just like that a lot. That makes me happy. Right. Yeah, that's... That's kind of all I had for this topic. It's kind of a shorter one, but I I don't know. I like doing this kind of like more it's less like scene analysis from an acting perspective like we usually do and more just kind of like digging into like okay, what is actually happening? What are they doing with this scene what, that seems like utility? just a throwaway? Right. Um that being said, do you want to look at the characters real quick? Just like 2 minutes, not even like a full breakdown. <laughs> look at the characters? Yeah, guard A and guard B. Oh, yeah, sure. I got you. Guard A is an idiot, it sounds like. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I I don't know that there's... Well, no, Let's. that's not doing our job as actors. Let's figure out what our, what our yeah, objectives... Yeah, I was about to say, come on, Chris, where's your sense of adventure? Yeah. Hmm. I think that guard A brings up, I'm going to the bear pits tomorrow. This is, the, I'm, I'm going to create backstory, which I know you shouldn't do, but fuck <laughs> it, whatever. Um, I think Garde is a little newer to the job. Um, just from the way Guard B talks, it sounds like he's a little older. Garde is yeah, I mean, a I think younger. that that's, that's, re that's reinforced in the text. Whether or not they're newer to the job or not, Garde is definitely younger than Guard B. Mm -hmm. Because Guard B is talking about the bears back then, when I was a kid. Right. So I, I'm thinking Garde is kind of... If he's not greener, um, well, actually, yeah. Let's let's make yeah, the decision. Yeah, we can make that, that call. Greener. I think that I think um, that that's fair. And he's um, trying to trying to make some work friends while on his shift. Hey, I this... feel that <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, while on his shift at the place, and he's like, "All right, gotta gotta establish a common ground with this guy." Hey, I'm going to the bear pits tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I think that. I think it's definitely like a, a reaching out, a looking for like, you know, he wants to go to the bear pits with this guy. And I think as it goes on, 
I think he I think he honestly thinks he's kind of being messed with, and so I think mm-hmm. he's trying to mess with uh, the second guard back in time. Like, because you know he he has that line about like surprise you're even in this job. Ooh, the bears just turned my poor tummy. <laughs> Yeah, I think, like, he's definitely negging him. Um, yeah. Because, like, yeah, at first he's like, what, you soft belly? That's kind of like, come on, man. Like, it'll be fun. It'll be a real eye gouging. What do you mean is... you don't like horror movies? Come see the Duke with me. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, And so when Guard V says, no, it makes me sick, what he means is, it makes me sick because they used to be so much more raw. But what yeah, he they... hears is... <laughs> It used to be so much more... They they really nerfed the bears for the casual market. It's like pro wrestling, man. After the Attitude Era, it was all over. (laughs) Back when it was WWF. For those damn pandas sued us. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah. uh, Like, there's not a whole lot of conflict, because this is really just kind of a nice, fluffy fluffy side conversation but yeah you know i like the scene doesn't really end so much as they stop talking <laughs> yeah there's not really a <laughs> they just but, like don't make you know like i i think uh oh sorry go ahead no, i was just muttering they don't just they just don't make bears like they used to which is <laughs> a very funny line like they used to <laughs> um I, I, I think there's this idea of, like, you know, they're they're kind of coming together. They're uh, like, oh, man, I'll show you a real bear pit. Yeah. <laughs> that's when that's when they start their their off-the-grid bear pit ring. This is their meet-cute, and then the rest of their story is romantic comedy revolving around bear, bear baiting. <laughs> yeah, that's all I wanted to do. I, yeah. I didn't want, like, there's not a whole lot of meat here on these bones. I just wanted yeah. to, uh... Pick you gotta it. gotta find what meat there is, and I think we did. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I think we can probably call it. Thanks for coming along on this kind of shorter episode. I just really wanted to dig into this scene because it's there's more going on with it than immediately is apparent, and I think that that's true of a lot of a lot of the best stuff out there for uh, like fluffy right. scenes like this in games. So the most memorable um, moments of just dialogue that you just stumble across in a video game. Exactly. So yeah, we'll we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Until then, thank you so much for listening to Backstage Gaming. If you like our show, if you like what we're doing, you can leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help uh, get the word out about us. And you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on the Google Play Store, on your podcatcher of choice. And if you want to know more about the show, or you want to know more about us, or you want to reach out to us directly, you can go to bsgpod.com. It's got info, it's got a contact form, it's got all that good stuff. That's bsgpod.com. Hey Dylan, what about social media? Where should they send all of their favorite fluffy dialogue? Yeah, if you want to hit us up on social media, and actually, yeah, that's a really great idea. Send us scenes, send us lines to look at, uh, moments to study. Um... Yeah, but if you if you want to do that, you can hit us up on Facebook and on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, also, we would love it if you use the hashtag BSG pod, BSG pod, to hit us up. Also, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the key art he has provided our show. If you dig his stuff, you can find him over on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen french.squarespace.com 
You can also find him on Instagram.com slash Brennan French Arts and on Twitter where his handle is at Brennan underscore French. You should also go check out our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. He's a great composer and producer of electronica. And if you like our theme song, you like the rest of his music, you can find all of that by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery, that's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or by searching for bioquery on Spotify. Thanks, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of podcasts about video games, and if you like our show, you're sure to like some of theirs. You can find all of those shows being retweeted over on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. And thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod. It's thanks to you that we're able to make this show without losing money on it, and that means the world to us because we like making this show. Uh, if you like our show and you want to support it in a very direct way, patreon.com slash bsgpod is the way to do that. And I think with that, that'll wrap us up for today. Hey, Dylan, go over to the bear pits tomorrow. You want to come yeah, in? Yeah, let's go. Let's go! <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>